This episode of The Bull and the Beautiful is brought to you by Murraysville Madness 4. Professional boxing returns to the Steel City at the Murraysville Sports Arena on Saturday, March 25th. Doors open at 6. First bell at 7. Featuring Mike Conway fighting for the ABA Lightweight Championship. Tickets start just at $30. For more information or to purchase tickets, please call 412 712- 759-0407. That's Saturday, March 25th. Murraysville Madness 4. You don't want to miss it. Fight fans, it is time for the bull and the beautiful. Welcome, everyone, to episode three of The Bull and the Beautiful. Obviously, I'm the beautiful one, George Phillips. I'm here with my co-host, Brian the Bull Holstein. We are here today to talk to one of our favorite fighters, one of our favorite friends in the boxing world, Wilkins, the Hispanic Hurricane Santiago. But before we get to the hurricane, I want to get to the bull. Bull, how you doing this morning? Doing great, buddy. I mean, just another day in paradise here in Ohio, 40 degrees on a Saturday. Gotta love it. 40 degrees on a Saturday. We're hoping spring comes soon. We thought it was coming a couple weeks ago, but you know what? That's the great state of Ohio that we live in. So we are joined today by one of my favorite people in the sport of boxing, a friend outside of the sport of boxing. And, you know, in life, as you get older, if you can count how many friends you have on one hand, you're a lucky man. And he's the type of friend that, you know, you can call him at two in the morning if something happens. If you need something from somebody, that's someone very true. And Brian, we've talked about this, you know, in our first two episodes about that fight family. There's 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 a bond of a fight family that that is not breakable. So that's we're joined today by Wilkins, the Hispanic Hurricane Santiago. Now, before we turn the microphone over to to Wilkins, a couple of things about this guy. First of all, he's a inspiration outside of the ring. He's an inspiration in the ring couple personal notes uh, from me and my dealings with him on the professional level is he was always a joy to watch fight. He had just this intensity in his face. His eyes opened three times as wide as the normal person when he was literally in the ring fighting his opponent. Had some great fights. I got to sit ringside for many of them, got to announce many of them. And as an announcer... You know, you're always trying to get yourself better as well. Everybody in the sport tries to get yourself better every time they do it. And you respect everyone that has the guts to climb into the ring. You respect everyone who's got the guts to climb into a cage, regardless of their background, regardless of their record, whether they're a first-time amateur or a seasoned professional. But as an announcer, there are certain fighters that when you get the call to do that particular show, you get excited about, not just because you're going to see great boxing, but more importantly, because of their name. And there are many fighters over the years that when I announce their name, it's just fun. And you can do stuff with it, with your voice and hold certain syllables and hold certain vowels. And Wilkins is probably one of my favorite ones, if not my favorite one, to announce because his full fight name is Wilkins the Hispanic Hurricane Santiago. And that was just a blast to announce his fights. And when he told me he was hanging up the gloves, you know, as an announcer, 
I was upset as a friend, I understood and I respected it. And, you know, there's a lot of great fights you can watch on YouTube now and, you know, always make sure his career is always talked about. But so we want to welcome Wilkins Santiago to the bold and the beautiful on this beautiful Saturday, Cleveland, Ohio morning. Wilkins, how are you today? Hey, G, what's going on, buddy? I'm doing good, man. You know, same and enjoying the, this beautiful weather out here in Ohio. We get the best. <laughs> exactly. So what we're going to do today, Wilkins, is, is just a couple things. Uh, first of all, we're going to talk to you about you know, your upbringing. Uh, you came from Chicago, moved to Lorraine when you were, I believe, seven years old, started boxing. Um, your career took a little bit of a detour uh, for a few years and then got back on track. And then most importantly, what, what you're doing now, um, sometimes in sports, announcers say too much. Sometimes in sports, broadcasters say too much. Let the game play and just watch it. Let the fight happen. Just watch it. And that's what we're going to kind of do today. Brian and I will jump in on occasion, especially in the boxing portion of it. But we just want to kind of turn the floor over to you and talk to you about Wilkins Santiago. How did the Hispanic hurricane become the Hispanic hurricane. Talk to us about your upbringing, where you're from, um, you know, talk to us about, you know, some of the difficulties you had in life. And then, then we're going to talk about the fun stuff, your, your boxing career. And then I got 10 rapid fire questions for you at the end. Okay. Sounds good. So tell us about the hurricane. Where are you from? You, you, you were born in Chicago, correct? Yes, sir. Born in Chicago. Came to Lorraine, Ohio in the mid-80s, late 80s, 86, 87. And take us from there. Walk us through walk us through the Hispanic hurricane. Well, like like you said, I'm born in Chicago, raised in Lorraine. Uh, got to Lorraine like in 87. Started boxing in 89. Uh, actually got my first amateur fight in 90. Um, I've come from the gym, Freddie's Boxing Club, which many uh, coaches and people know Freddie from all over. He's been in the game for a long time, 40-plus uh, years. And he's basically been my mentor, the guy who's guided me to, to be who I am today. Um, yeah, so got my first fight in 90. Um, lied to him as a young kid at nine years old, told him that I was 10 and I was actually nine years old. Um, I started crying at the gym at nine years old. That's how, how bad I wanted you know, to really do this. And uh, he kept me in the gym. He told me that, uh, you know, you must want it. So when you turn 10 years old, I'll go ahead and give you your fight. And that's basically what started me off from there. Um, I had a, a man named Billy just passed away recently, man. He was the guy that introduced me to boxing. Um, you know, I've mentioned it numerous times. You know, uh, I used to see him with gloves hanging off his bag. One day I was a young kid to tell him that uh, – was it okay if I enjoyed him to come to the gym? And, yeah, he told me to go ask my mother. My mother said, yeah, it's fine. And uh, the rest was history from there. That's where I started my career. Now, you had a good career as an amateur. You were roughly 80, you know, sometimes amateur records are off by a, a fight or two. But uh, roughly 80, over 80 victories as an amateur. You were fighting the top amateurs in the country at one point. Mm -hmm. Less than 10 defeats. And for an amateur to have north of 90 fights with less than 10 defeats, that's something to be said. Yeah, I saw, so, I saw something uh, about I saw something about the uh, Olympics, too. Were you training for the Olympic team at one point? Well, I actually, um, as a young kid, I, was, uh, I went to the JOs. I lost in the final match for the Junior Olympics. Um, I, was, I was actually, uh, you know, uh, 
in contention to go uh, for the Olympics, but unfortunately, you know, there was some roadblocks in between that held me back. So, um, yeah, I didn't get that opportunity. So, when you're talking about the Olympics, obviously, everybody wants to represent their country. Um, you know, just to get to the point of being considered for the Olympic team is something to see. You know, there's so much amateur yeah. boxing that's going around, you know, nowadays with USA boxing. You know, there, there's tough man boxing, there's collegiate boxing. So, to be in that elite group to where your name and Olympics or even in the same sentence is, is an accomplishment. So you, you came with a good segue here. Um, good amateur career. You're, you're on your trajectory. And then you said roadblocks. So talk to us about some of these roadblocks that occurred to you. Well, as a young kid, um, you know, I was, oh, I'm not going to say a young kid, but a young adult, um, you know, the street life, you know, I got myself around the wrong people. Um, I'm a guy who loved women. And uh, that was one thing, that was one of my, uh, you know, downfalls where, um, you know, I got caught up in the street life, got involved in some drug stuff. Unfortunately, um, you know, I went down this some time, had a friend who I thought was a friend, uh, set me up on a wire. Um, come to find out he had, you know, caught himself a case and, you know, to get out of this mess, um, you know, what we call on the street snitching. Um, most people know as a confidential informant. Uh, you know, uh, he got me on wire and um, unfortunately, you know, I went away for five years uh, at 22 years old, came back home at 27. Um, and that's basically when I came back to boxing and uh, started my pro career. Awesome. Good people fought uh, uh, Ricardo Slickwick Williams from Cincinnati, which is an Olympian himself. Uh, got in the ring with Terrell Gaucher. Um, You know, I've, I've, I've been in there with a lot of, you know, top elite fighters. Yeah. Uh, you have now when you some when good you, names. Yeah. When you went to when you went away and then we're gonna transition to, to the pro career because it was it was fun. I'll tell you what, your pro career is a lot of fun to watch and to follow. Um five years, you know, you, Great announcer, prime, man. <laughs> prime, <laughs> prime prime time in, in age demographics, twenty-two to twenty-seven for athletics, yes, regardless of regardless of sport. And, you know, you had to you had to put that on pause. So when you were there, what what did it do to you? What did it do to you mentally as far as, you know, knowing that others might be achieving goals that, that you should have been achieving? But more importantly, what did it do for your psyche for when you came out that because you oftentimes see a lot of people who go away for various, you know, instances and they they talk a very good game for about six months and then they're back. Right. So what what kept you? I mean, we all make mistakes in life, and that's that's life. But right. you you made your mistake, you took your punishment like a man, and then you never you never went back there. So why? How did that happen? Well, first and foremost, I'm gonna keep it 100. I'm gonna keep it real. Um, when I first got in, you know, it was it was it was tough. It was definitely a mind breaking thing trying to break me um you know just being away from from reality and from the real world um knowing what's going on on the outside you know uh i went when i went away i was, I was actually in a relationship you know and that was something that you know that that played a big part but then i you know a lot of people don't know that my brother was down at the same time and my brother had a lot of pull um when i came to the system uh, to richmond correctional where i started my my bit um, 
and my brother was the leader of the Kings, you know, and uh, people who know about the penitentiary, a lot of, you know, people rolling sets as far as like, a, it's all like a racial thing. Like, you know, the Aryan Brotherhood, you know, you got the, the blacks that stick together, the Hispanics. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a different, it's a different world, uh, war zone in there. Um, so, you know, I got there in a, I caught my case in 2001, 2002, I went down, um, went, did my time, man, like a man, like, you know, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't cut like the guy that got me, that set me up on a wire. Um, so, you know, uh, I was offered so many plea deals if I would work with the, with the police and, you know, me being, me being who I am and how I was raised, you know, I, I felt that I wasn't going to take the next man down because, you know, of what I was doing. I knew that it was wrong. Um, I was just trying to chase that fast money and, uh, you know, it, it caught up to me. Um, so I was put in a position where I had the choice to either snitch and get off, you know, set people up. Uh, but I turned that down because I was going to go ahead and uh, stand up for what I believed in. And uh, that was to basically, you know, if I want to play with fire and get burned, do it, but stand up for, for the consequences that comes behind it. That's accountability right there. Yeah, that's a it's a rare thing. It's not it's not taught anymore. Oh no, especially coming from Lorraine, where I grew up, at, man, them boys over there they telling left and right. <laughs> yeah, so, so everybody, you know, me coming up as a fighter, you know, having promising dreams, you know, uh, being an elite fighter, you know, making it to the top, hopefully one day chasing that world title that I always thought of. Um, right away, people thought I was gonna roll over, and uh, you know. Little come, they know that, uh, you know, I stood my ground and uh, did my time like a man. That's and, character, you know, man. That's like, like you said, character, account, you know, accountability. It just, it just goes to show, you know, the, the kind of man you are, you know, stand up individual. And it's a, it's a, you know, just, you, you're not, you're not fake. Real is rare. And, you know, it's a pleasure, you know, actually talking to somebody that's real. Exactly. There's a lot, a lot of fake people in the world. And, you know, you, you made your mistake, you did your time, you got out, and chapter closed, chapter written, chapter part of your story, but chapter closed. So you get out, and it's time to lace them up again. It's time to pursue that dream. You turned professional uh, officially on April 24th, 2010. You had, your, you had your first fight against Torrance King at the Soccer Sports Complex in North Olmstead. Mm -hmm. And I remember that fight like it was yesterday. And th that was a fun place we had fights at because I remember when one of the cards, I forget the date, but Tim Carrion put it on and the, the food there was just unbelievable. And we had a lot of fun there because it was all the whole fight family. You you fought 17 times, I believe, as a as a professional. And you ended up with a record of 12 and 1 with three draws, which I'm not even getting into those because, you know, whatever, I, I have to be, I have to be uh, neutral as, as an announcer, but um, you got to fight in some pretty cool places. Um, a lot of guys <clears throat> spend their entire career fighting local or regional uh, unless they do get a big title shot or they get a undercard of a, of a big fight. And when you turned pro, you know, social media wasn't as big as it was today. The ability to self-promote was not as accessible as it is today. But you fought in Nautica, in Cleveland, in the Flats in 2010. I remember that fight. I announced that fight. That was fun. 
did some local fights uh, with Van Newhouse and various other promoters. You got to fight in Atlantic City. You fought in Louisville, Kentucky. You got to fight at Mountaineer. And those were always the fun fights, the Mountaineer shows with Roy Jones and, and all those guys. You got to fight in twice in Erie, Pennsylvania, and you ended your career in, in Erie, Pennsylvania. Um, so as a pro, first of all, favorite, favorite venue you fought at? Favorite venue? Hmm. Like the Mountaineer, man. I like that. I like that venue. I like the crowd. I love the atmosphere. Um, you know, uh, fighting on the undercard of, of Paul Spatafora, um, being a co-main event. You know, that was that was really big to me. And, uh, you know, it felt great. Actually, even training next to Paulie and getting him ready for that fight um, was a blessing on the zone. Yeah, that was a fun show. I got to announce that. That was actually I was I can't imagine what you guys were feeling, but I was a train wreck the night before that fight. And the day of that fight, because that was my first world title fight that I ever got to announce and practicing in the shower for about 24 hours. You know, I already had no voice when the fight started, but that was a great show. I believe Nick Firtha fought on that fight. It was like it was like the old gang, although all the guys were together kind of doing our thing that fight. You fought some good fighters. You've you fought Eric Draper. You have fought. um Alondo Swain, Marquise Thompson, Michael Finney, uh, Justin Johnson. So, yeah. Well, before before we get into, I'm just I got a a quick question. You know, before the fights, I mean, everybody's got like from a boxer standpoint, I got a a pre-fight ritual. Um, yes. What 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 was your ritual? I mean, you know, for me, I t- I took three showers in the in the venue, and it was. <laughs> Shadow boxing, whatever. It's just for some odd reason, three showers is always uh, my ritual. What was yours? Man, I, I like to isolate away from everything, man. I shut my phone off. Um, I like I like to isolate and just think about, you know, uh, all the time I put in the gym, you know, the people that are there coming to see me. Um, you know, I was one of those ones. I didn't want to talk to nobody. I just want to lay back and get ready for, you know, fight night and, you know, put up a f- performance. You know, uh, I worked my ass off. You know, there was times where I had trouble to make weight. And, you know, I just I just want to lay back and uh, chill, put my headphones on, listen to some old school rap, some Tupac, Vicky, DMX, and uh, get ready for war. Yeah, baby. <laughs> Three showers, really? Dude, I'm <laughs> telling you, man, it's always uh, my, my favorite ones are when it's like at the uh, hotel venues because the hot water don't shut off. And you can run as long as you want. <laughs> I've never heard that shit in my life. Three shots. Yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to concentrate here on Wilkins and his respect his time, but this this sidebar here, free, I don't want to know. I mean, bo- boxer to boxer, man. Everybody's got their ridge. I just, I was curious, you know. It's, and and uh, you know, going into the fights, you know, the the what was your mindset? I know you isolate, self isolate, but I mean, when you're coming out, you know, are you coming out with a game plan? Did you watch your opponents? Did you study their film? Did you study their tape? Or do you go like I? I kind of go with the I don't look at my opponents. I don't care about what they're doing. I'm trying to make myself the best version of me and then go and freestyles. Go, what, like, what's your what's your gameplay going into each fight? I was the same way, man. I, di- I didn't like looking at video. I felt that, you know, uh, sometimes you, you're going to run into something different. I feel like, you know, uh, I feel like boxing is a sport where, where um, you can't only depend on someone coming in the same way. Um, sometimes they might come in out of shape and they perform differently. Sometimes they might come in in shape and then it's, it's a different animal in there. So I just went with the flow, man. I, I try to adjust to any style that's in front of me. 
Um, you know, I was I, I came up watching the old fighters, man. I don't know if you guys know, but Marvin Hagler was my favorite fighter, man. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we just we were talking about that last uh, last episode. <laughs> we're gonna go into a Hagler stint. Yeah. Yeah. But Hagler was my favorite fighter, man. If y'all know, sometimes I switch in fights too, man. That's something yeah, that well, you know, watching Hagler growing up as a kid, man, uh something that I used was like, you know what, let's try this out, see how it goes. But um, yeah, man, that's it's basically, you know, it was straight tunnel vision going in that ring, man. It was it was time to put in the work. So let's go to Hagler for a minute before we, you know, go into another segue. Hagler Leonard, nineteen eighty seven. It was Hagler's last fight, you know, after that fight was over. Pat Sugar Ray Leonard won on a split decision. Bullshit. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Bullshit. Thank you. Yes, I, I tell one of our episodes down the road, Wilkins, and we'll actually have you on for this one, too, to break it down. Uh, watch the fight with no sound. Yeah. Watch the fight with sound, and it's two different outcomes. And yep. Hagler fought a good fight. Fought, he won that fight, in my opinion. I'll just say it. And I think Sugar Ray, you know, smart fighter, great fighter, one of the best ever to lace him up. He stole. He had the he had the money behind him. You always got to follow the money. You know, Hagler. He was always, you know, nobody nobody gave him his his due effort or his, or his, or his due will. You know, everybody kind of he was like always the underdog, and nobody thought that he was that great in his own mind. You know, so he's always fighting with something to prove a chip on his shoulder. I'm telling you, you know, you come in with Sugar Ray having like the 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 golden boy. You know, the money behind it. I I think that's swayed a lot of the judges. Absolutely agree. Yeah, Hagler Hagler won that fight. I'm uh, so nice to to hear agreement with that. Um, so you no, you know, not to cut you off, not to cut you off real quick, G. But uh, man, um, I was hoping to to meet Hagler this past uh, uh Hall of Fame, man, in New York. I had, I had went out there with my buddy, man, and unfortunately, before that, I had said we got the tickets way ahead of time before Hagler even passed, man, and uh. Unfortunately, I didn't get to I didn't get to meet my favorite fighter, man. But I was hoping to do so. Yeah, he he was one of the best. And what I liked about him is, you know, and like with you, and and with Brian in your in your boxing careers, he started out with the same trainer and he finished with the same trainer. He had the the two brothers in Brockton, Massachusetts, stuck with them throughout his his entire career, and to me, arguably one of the best middleweight champions, middleweight fighters in in the history of the sport. So, your favorite venue was Mountaineer, and your fights, who's your toughest or your favorite opponent? My toughest or my favorite? Um, Alonzo Swain, he's one of them, and the Gilberto Venegas, he was tough as well. Um, yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't know if you remember, that was one of the ones that, uh, that popped my jaw. Yeah, the Swain fight that was a uh, that was actually in Atlantic City. Yep. Yeah, uh, you won a unanimous decision in in that in that fight. That was that was a hell of a fight as well. But um, okay, so with boxing, you you had a good pro career. You know, most guys that, that turn pro in boxing don't last as long as you did. Don't have the type of record that you did. You fought your last fight uh, June June eleventh, twenty sixteen. Uh, it was a draw. Okay, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that another day. But okay, uh, it was at Presque Isle in in Erie, Pennsylvania. You hung up the gloves uh, for good, and from there. So from 2016 to now, 
what's the Hispanic, what, what is the Hispanic hurricane been up to? What is the Hispanic hurricane doing to give back to the sport still? And walk us through chapter three of your life. Well, now I'm a father, man, of four boys, man, uh, three biological. My oldest I raised since he was six months. Uh, but now, you know, I'm trying to give back, uh, you know, so, uh, some of the boxing that I've, that I've learned my whole life, um, you know, and I do some cardio boxing classes now in Westlake uh, at Title Boxing Club, which uh, we are a franchisee. And, uh, you know, I just try to help people, you know, get back in shape and uh, learn the craft. I do work with a lot of, uh, I do a lot of personal training on the side as well. Um, I'm actually working with a kid right now, which is uh, the Brown strength training coach, uh, son, um, that I've been working with, a uh, uh, real hard worker, man. I love his drive. Uh, so that's basically what I'm doing today, man. Um, I'm at Title Boxing Club in Westlake, and it's something that I love to do. So I'm, I'm actually following the sport in a in a different sense now. Now I'm uh, teaching it and then helping people get in shape, stay healthy, and um, you know, uh, make them feel good again. So before we get to the the fun part of the podcast, before we conclude, you've had you've had a great story you've had a wonderful amateur career you've had a, a very good professional career you've had highs and lows in your life what would what would be in your opinion the best advice to give to somebody that might be going through something difficult right now or even a step further someone who maybe has made a mistake and has to put their life on hold for a while and they're sitting there whether it's at home or, or somewhere else saying, you know, it's over. I'm never going to bounce back from this. I'm never going to recover. I screwed up maybe two or three times. There's no hope. How, how do we get hope? Man, you got to believe in yourself, man. And if, uh, and if you believe in something higher, um, you know, you, uh, you stand tall on what you believe. Uh, you know, I was one that, um, you know, I, I, I built a family with my kids and, I didn't want to let them down, and I wanted to make sure that, you know, uh, I show my kids that it doesn't matter what you go through in life, how many downs you face, that you can always climb up, you know. So any kid out there that may be going through that or, you know, got some self-doubt in, in their mind, man, you uh, stand tall. Stand, you know, it's all about strength. Um, it's all about, you know, building your character and showing showing people that uh, you can always, you know, come out of any situation you face in life, uh, doesn't matter how dark it may be. Um, you got to have faith and keep pushing. It's great advice to anyone. So here's what we're going to do. So you've had, a, again, you're, you're a good man. You're a great father. Now, of your children, do, are we going to see another hurricane coming through? Man, we- I, I would love to, man. Uh, you know, I would love to see one of my kids, uh, you know, uh, Make it to that to that point where I wanted to do to see them in the, at a world title, you know, uh, contention. But um, you know, these kids nowadays, man, G to be truthful with you, man, these kids love these damn video games, bro. I hear that's you. a fact. TikToks, the YouTube shorts, that's all my son wants. I'm like, man, dude, what do you want to do when you grow up? He's like, I want to be a YouTube star. I'm like, damn you, Jake Paul. There we go. They always talk about Jake Paul too. I'm like, oh lord. But my young. He my young twenty five million dollars last year. He's got the hands, man. He's a little dog. Good. Um, Good. Now, whether he pursues it, I'm not sure because he's a badass baseball player too, and he's a southpaw. Um, yeah, and he's and he's a little mixed breed. He's got the Mexican side to him too, <laughs> so he's a little Mexican Puerto Rican. That that that's a beautiful combination for for a world championship fighter. 
the the lineage of his heritage, the fact that you're his father, and that he's left-handed. You can teach him to fight both ways. Wow, that could be. Hey, that that's be, the, that's taking that haggler. You know what I mean? Go orthodox South Pole. There it is. That I know. Dangerous. Now the thing is, if if he pursues it, you know, uh, like I said, he's a badass little baseball player too, man. Now, how old is he? He's at twelve. There you go. Well, yeah, he's my youngest. Wow. Yeah, that's impressive. That that's definitely impressive. So here's what we're gonna do to close out. So you told your story. You have hopefully inspired people. Not by the the they've been listening to this, but also I can just tell you've inspired people. Um, you know, seeing you at the fights. Um, you know, you're the second best dressed guy in the room. I get it, but uh, <laughs> but um, you know, you've inspired people. You know, I, I can see it when people come up to you at the, at the shows, at the fights we work together, that, uh, you know, people people remember you, which is great. They always say you die twice. The first time you die biologically and the second time when someone stops remembering you. I highly doubt you'll ever be forgotten in, in the boxing world because you're a great fighter, you're fun to watch, and you're a good man. But we have 10. I have 10 rapid-fire questions for you. So these are these are one-word answers. You know, maybe a two-word answer just to kind of get some get some uh, understanding of, of who the hurricane is. Okay, are you ready? Gotcha. All right, and you know what, Brian? I want you to do this too. I I can I can come up with some. I come up with a couple. You want to go? You want you want to go? You you uh pop off eight. I pop off two. Yeah, you. Uh, I'll pop off eight. You pop. Or I'll pop off eight. You pop off two. All right. First of all, Wilkins, if you had to be a Disney character, what would it be? A Disney character. Where the hell you get these questions from? Don't you worry about it. <laughs> Where the hell you get these questions from? My my beautiful brain, baby. Everything's beautiful here. Disney? Oh shit. Uh is a <laughs> now if you would have swayed me towards Marvel, I would have been cool, but not Disney. <laughs> shit, right, we'll, go to, we'll go Marvel. We'll, you know, we'll adjust you. How about Marvel? Yeah, shit. I, I, I like Wolverine's one of my my top ones. Your favorite pizza topping? Wait, what? Favorite pizza topping? Spring, uh, sausage. Sausage. All right. Favorite season of the year: fall, winter, spring, summer. Uh, I like fall. Okay. Favorite boxing announcer of all time? Oh. Careful. Oh, my man, G, you know all that. All right, all right, beautiful. If you could be a character on any TV show, what would what would you be? Oh, I like I like Jax. Okay, that's good. Now, here, here's a tough one, okay? We're going to go into the candy world. Would you yep. rather eat a stale Sour Patch Kid or a fresh circus peanut? Stale Sour Patch Kid. <laughs> Stale Sour Patch Kid. Okay. And before we turn it over to the bull, if you had to go on an impulse purchase, what would it be? What you mean by impulse purchase? Buying something and not thinking about the consequences or the price. If you're at a store, oh, my God, I got to have this right now. What would it be? Does it have to be a store? I like a Bentley. All right, <laughs> like a Bentley. It is. <laughs> right, my turn. Yeah, it's my go. turn. All right, mine are going to be a little difficult. You got to think on them, maybe. All right, so one word, one word only, one word to describe yourself. 
One word to describe myself. Character. And lastly, ties into the first one. One word to inspire others. What would it be? Strength. Boom. I like that. Those are good answers. See, see your questions were good. My, I'm asking about <laughs> I told you I freestyle with that. I, I, I just roll with the punches, baby. I like that. Beat down slick. I like that. I don't, you're going to have to get together with G and tighten him up. <laughs> I'm out of retirement pretty soon. Keep that up. <laughs> I'm going to come over to Westlake. I think, but, it's um, the, I think it's those tight-ass suits. Yeah, they, 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 again, again, that's why I'm the beautiful one. <laughs> Do be sharp, Mike. Do be sharp. That's right. Well, we want to thank you. <laughs> Wilkins, thank you. This was fun. We always have a great time doing the podcast. I'm going to tell you, this, this was a blast. I was looking forward to this one all week. And um, we hope you enjoyed, you know, coming on. And, you know, one of the things I want to thank you for is – Today, you gave us a gift that you can never give back. You've gifted a lot of people a lot of things in life. You've gifted them with entertainment. You've gifted them with your, your wisdom, your heart, and every and all that. But you gave us a gift today, the one gift you can't give back, and that's time. And you gave us uh, part of your day today. You gave us part of your life today. And I know that we're both grateful for that. So we want to thank you for, for being on today. Man, I appreciate it, George. I appreciate your time, too, Brian, man. You know what? Uh... I had a good time with you guys. Um, before I before I go ahead and shut this down with you guys, I just want to say, man, to the kids out there, man, believe in yourself. Never, never let down on your goals, man. Keep pushing, and when you need someone to talk to, make sure you go to that person who you feel close and uh and uh comfortable with. It's wise words from a wise man, and that is a great way to end it. So for Wilkins, the Hispanic Hurricane Santiago, Brian the Bull Holstein, I am. Obviously, the beautiful one, George Phillips. Thank you for listening to episode three of The Bull and the Beautiful. We will be back soon with episode four. 